Well, news out of Amazon, Matt, is that they, quote, uh, eventually plan to go big on physical grocery stores. So this to me means that if I am running Amazon grocery, what they're going to have to overcome here in Texas is HEB. I expect them to have a war room set up, uh, yeah, a, a no. war on HEB, because here in Austin, uh, we are the home of the headquarters of uh, what's uh, what's the fancy grocery store that I just forgot that Amazon bought. Whole Foods, and uh, you can go downtown to the flagship Whole Foods, and that's where they've got some Amazon stuff, and people love it. But let's be honest, people here in Austin uh, only really shop at HEB. If you don't shop at HEB, you will be shamed into shopping at HEB. If, for example, <laughs> you say like I went to the Randalls, people would be like, "What happened? Was the HEB closed? Was like, are you like, do you not know? Like, we so, only shop at HEB." You have a, so you have I, a I, I I did not I didn't uh, sorry I did not watch the Super Bowl I caught like some live stream I watched some highlights and stuff I didn't watch the commercials but apparently H E B had some sort of tortilla commercial during the absolutely. Super Bowl absolutely that's and the only is, thing I heard about that's that is right the only and commercial I heard about this is this is my question for uh, <laughs> Jassy and the whole uh, the whole grocery team at Amazon it's like okay so what is your answer to H E B ready made tortillas because I'm glad you brought up the Super Bowl. <laughs> The Super when, Bowl when today. You come, when you come for the king, you best not miss. That's exactly right. And anytime we can get a wire reference in here, we know the episode's going to be hot. So the thing about the Super Bowl was they showed the pre-made HEB tortillas, which are great. I have no They're problem good. with them. Yeah, but I anybody that knows anything about buying tortillas at HEB is you get the ready-to-cook flour tortillas because they're basically – they're in the, uh, you know, in the refrigerated section and you bring them home and I'm going to take like 30, 30, 45 seconds uh, on a little stovetop. Absolute perfection, right? I mean, the, the leap from the, the, if you will, pre-made tortilla to the ready-made tortilla. I mean, the ready-made tortilla, I believe, can pass as an absolute well, there, there's an homegrown tortilla. There's an in-between because a few of those HEBs have like the tortilla stations and they're like making them in the middle yes. of the, the, re- the, Absolutely. the store you, and you, you can, can get them hot off the press. hundred percent. Like if you can get them and you're going to eat them right away, that's your move. If not, oh, you get the ready-made okay. tortilla. Because the only other step, as uh, I think Tasty Meats Paul's has already talked about on uh, one of the podcasts, was that like there are three phases. There, first, you buy the pre-made ones. And then you're kind yeah. of in, inserting another one. It's like, well, you buy them hot if you're at an HEB that has If you can, yeah. Right. Then you get the ready-to-cook ones, which are fantastic. And the final stage is you just make them yourself, right? That is like literally the final stage. That's like well, JJ What's level, HEB's right? job there? What, so right, right. Well, I'm just saying that's just where you get to. You're like, <laughs> I'm now at a point where I only can make my own tortillas. But like I believe the ready-to-cook a flour tortilla is the absolute perfection of tortillas. So wow. this to me is what I think Amazon is underestimating. It's like – I don't listen because listen, what HEB doesn't have no Apple pay, cannot do Apple pay at HEB, cannot tap to check out. Can't, you know, you have to literally take a card physically, put it into a card reader to actually process a transaction. It is beyond me why this is still the case, but there's no way people are going to give up the convenience of the ready to cook tortilla and start shopping at Amazon. No amount of uh, Apple, uh, Amazon pay, Amazon go, Amazon fresh is going to displace the HEB tortilla, in my opinion. So the only thing that they could possibly do is to potentially acquire the HEB tortilla. Not going to be possible. <laughs> uh, not for sale. I mean, that oh, is no. that no. is HEB's competitive differentiation. It's like, of course, they're not going to sell that. Or no. they're going to come up with an alternative that we know will not be good, right? I do no. not think, I have no trust that Amazon no, the, the, can make a good tortilla. 
they they will they will pick easier territory. They will go for they'll they'll go for California. They'll go after uh, was it uh, what's the Randalls uh, <laughs> like um, a Safeway Kroger and, Kroger, and they'll go after they'll go after those wiggly. lightweights, right? Yeah, the right? yes, the Piggly Wiggly. Those those uh, are the food, sorts of you know the, the slow lion? members of the pack. Yes, mm-hmm. a food lion. Oh, they they, they deserve to be eaten. Um, and, and so like yeah. Amazon go after the weak members of the pack, but make that makes the herd stronger, right? And so, so HEB will continue to dominate. Um, and, and you know, Whole Foods came out of Austin, but you know, when when people go shopping in Austin, they go to HEB. You go to Whole Foods for like the the weird things you can't get, or you know, the uh, the salad buffet. You know, that have that's you my been jam. on your recent visit? Did you go the the flagship Whole Foods downtown at any point in your in your visit? I went. Like, I went in June. There? I went in June. Yeah. What um, was your take? Because my take is like it has become like a weird Frankenstein kind of thing because they have some Amazon stuff going, yeah, they have the traditional weird. Whole Foods, and they have a lot of like they have weirdly placed technological solutions. You're like, wait a minute, uh, absolutely. What is, like, here's an what end cap full of, of you know Alexa devices, and you're like, why? Um, yeah, that, that 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 was that was odd. I mean, I still have a, a soft spot for you know the IT at, at Whole Foods. Uh, I interviewed there and uh, was was offered a job, but uh, the pay was not competitive. They were all about. The I remember lifestyle. this was this was, you should uh, <laughs> you should say this was pre Amazon. This is back when they were just oh yeah yeah, yeah. way way the, back in the day, way just back the grocer the at the time, right? Yeah, they were they were just a, a, a an up and coming grocer who already had you know the big flagship store uh, there at Sixth, and um, I mean it was it was it was cool. It was I, I would have enjoyed working there, but uh, you know. The pay was uh, grocery store pay. <laughs> well, most importantly, I think we'll leave it on this. It's like Amazon, you may take all the cloud apps to, to or may take all the apps to the cloud. Go, go after you, Walmart. Go, go, go drive deliver... Walmart out of the mom and pop. You know, go, go after Walmart, who's already killed all the mom and pop groceries. Absolutely. And all the small you pops. may deliver random stuff we probably didn't need, like Matt's headphones. You may deliver it next oh, day. Yeah, you may yeah, deliver yeah. it before we even need it. But I'll tell you this. You come to Texas. You better be prepared to bring some tortillas. This episode is sponsored by the New Stack. Looking for more conversations about software development, deployment, and management? Subscribe to the New Stack Makers podcast right now. Hosts include the New Stack's founder, Alex Williams, and other veteran journalists with a history of covering enterprise technology. Be sure to check out the New Stack Makers podcast soon to catch season two of the Tech Founder Odyssey series. The series talks to founders with a software engineering background who share their stories about how they got started, what their entrepreneurial journey has been like, and how they've managed the obstacles along the way. Full video versions of each episode and more great content is available on the Newstacks YouTube channel. And you can visit thenewstack.io for all the latest news and analysis that make life easier for people who build and manage software. What are you waiting for? Subscribe to the Newstack Makers right now. And of course, we thank the Newstack for sponsoring our show. Well, Matt, we have some uh, some sad news for the Division Two team. So this is uh, Division Two, which you and I have don't know anything about. I guess it's a game. It's Tom Clancy's The Division Two. So they posted the following on Twitter, and I think we should. And this is really going to test. I think the blameless post mortem will be tested at this company. So it oh, says, yeah. "Quote, dear agents, last week we shared news that the season would be delayed due to a localization issue." This past Saturday, in the process of creating the update, which would resolve the issue, we encountered an error that brought down the build generation system for the Division 2. As a result, we cannot update the game until the system has been rebuilt. In the past, when a season was delayed, we extended the previous season's activities. 
Unfortunately, this is not possible in the current situation as we are unable to make server or client updates until the build generation system is re restored. So first of all, Matt, if you were working on the build system, like what, do, like we're talking about, we're talking a little <laughs> bit of pre-show. Like, like this is like, I guess we would say this is very transparent, right? Cause I mean, one, they mentioned localization in the build system, which immediately I think we both know, Ooh, that can go a lot of ways, right? I yeah, mean, there could be yeah. serious problems. So there's, I there's get why external contractors involved. There's, but the fact yeah. that they call out the build system twice in this email, right? They're just, I mean, it is clearly the build system and the people running the build system are being thrown under the bus. Now we can call that like radical transparency or we can just call that placing blame. So if you're working on the build generation systems team, what do you do right now? Whew. So, so there's, there's two schools of thoughts there. You know, the first is, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling the, uh, the Elon Musk, uh, you know, power, power drive. Where hardcore, you, you know, hardcore, hardcore division hardcore, two. You're going hardcore. Yeah. Okay. You're going hardcore. You're, you're putting in the, you know, sleeping under the desk, you know, working around the clock until you get this thing solved. Um, the other school of thought is like, you know, you're, you're still putting in a strong effort, you know, uh, but you're also taking a little time to, polish the resume and start thinking about, you know, when you get thrown under the bus, how you uh, explain that in, in the next interview series. Uh, Cause chances are good. I mean, I don't, I don't know Ubisoft, maybe, maybe they're the, the rare uh, blameless postmortem and, you know, they're a learning culture, but my impression of the gaming industry is it's not that way. Well, the uh, fact too, they named names, I guess divisions here, I guess I didn't name a person's name. They could have just said, unfortunately, well, but, but, but it's but, impossible but fans, for us to yeah. do anything because our systems are in a bad state, right? Something but, but along it's those one lines. thing to like throw name names, but you also like the fans are going to be like, what's the, what's the cause here? Right. And so they can't just say like, please bear with us. Cause then like, I mean, you know, like everyone will have rampant speculation. They'll start attacking like, you know, randos and at least this way they can like, you know, focus the effort and, and maybe, maybe, maybe some, some fans, who have been around computers are like, oh yeah, that's gonna suck, you know. As opposed to just like the raw, unfiltered fury of gamers on the internet, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the cause of everything bad on the internet. <laughs> it would be interesting to see. I hope they uh, do a long, you know, almost like a security update, like a, a postmortem they put out. Because I'm interested in. I'm actually interested in having never played the game. I mean, I'm sure the game is good. I'm not even that interested in the game. I'm really interested in like, okay, what went bad? Because I, I hear it. I'm like, oh, they probably went to like you know, they had to support some Asian characters like Chinese or, you know, and like the double bite thing. Right. And they probably so added a library in there. Yeah. Yeah. They probably added a library, you know, and it was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like now the strings, like they probably had that whole thing about like one thing is Unicode. Another thing is like ASCII. Right. And then you're just like, you get in the state. Cause I think we've seen it before. Like you kind of get in the state. You're like, can't really go backwards now. Right. And I can't really go, you know, it's like you just kind of get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. They that. probably rolled in a library, you know, to add the support like 700 builds back. Right. And then, like, when they brought in the assets, things went haywire. And they're like, well, just, you know, don't do that. And they're like, well, wait, we, you know, now this is broken over here. And it just kind of gets into other systems. Or, you know, when you start blaming the build system, maybe it's that, that, uh, you know, that little tiny, pebble at the bottom of the mountain that was holding everything up uh is broken you know maybe it's uh you know i, I think we saw 
at the bottom of this is one Node.js library. Exactly, and exactly. And there's, there's, like, it doesn't support this, and it's like turns out like the entire application is, is you know it, it's you know the the left pad guy you know broke broke Ubisoft and and went on vacation, and uh, you know that's who knows you know but but at least see see now our speculation. Is like we're not going after like the game engine guys. We're not going after the artist. No, we're not going after not. support. We're like you know, True. oh, we're speculating on this little team. So maybe, maybe this is a savvy move. Maybe, you know, maybe and and you know, I, I know a few build engineers or you know, uh, you know, IT you know, ops uh, ops folks for for gaming companies like they, you know, they've got horror stories and and mm-hmm. it's usually like they're dealing with you know, well they're they're you know it's 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 operations folks everywhere. They're dealing with the, the crap that they get handed. And um, we'll see if, you know, if, if this turns blameless or, you know, cause, cause what you, what you want is, is, you know, the, the optimal output of this is like a detailed postmortem. That's like, you know, this is why it broke. Oh, well, this that's is what how we, we want for sure. Yeah. This is what we want. And, and, and this is how you deflect further contra you know, further acrimony is you give, you know, a fairly transparent thing where you're like, Hey, this is what broke. This is how what we tried. This is why it didn't work. You know, because that's obviously mm-hmm. what the stage we're in. This is why it didn't work. And then these are, you know, what we did. Um, we put in the hardcore hours. We did this, you know, superhuman effort. Here's what we're doing so it doesn't happen again. And by the way, we're not firing everybody. We learned from this, you know. And I, but it I, does I'll feel be, like from I'll, an executive, I'll bet you, uh, you know, an executive yeah. communication standpoint, I kind of feel like because they've named the build system twice that there's going to be a little bit of like, uh, like when it finally does ship and things are working, it's going to be like, we're very sorry for the delay. We've uh, brought in new person X to uh, that's going to make sure this never happens again. And we're investing because it's a little bit like Southwest airlines, right? When they put, they kind of put everything on the like, Oh, well the scheduling system and the it was old. That was the problem. Of course, you know, we can always say, well, that's really, you know, that you could obviously put this on the CEO and be like, well, that, you know, the CEO ultimately has to respond, run the business and has to make the right investments everywhere. And I'm sure I have no doubt there's somebody uh, working on this game that is like, I told them a million times <laughs> that we were not ready to do this. And I'm sure that person has the emails. He's like, there, here's an email that was sent on this date about, we cannot update this because it's going to cause this big problem. And I told, I'm, I know those emails exist. So, you know, so a little bit, I guess, from an executive communication standpoint, it's like, well, you're kind of putting it in a box and you're making it seem like it's like, well, it's just weird thing. It's the quote unquote build system, but you know, it's sort of like, it's a vital it's business the build, function. It's the release. Right. It's, you know, and that, yeah. there's like a little deflection. It's like, you can't say like, well, that was finance. You know, it's like, well, if it was like, oh, the finance systems are completely wrong. We don't know where the money went. It's of course the CEO is going to be called into that, but, but there's a little bit of that. So I think that's going to be the part I watch is like, okay, who catches an arrow here? If anyone, right. And maybe said, maybe it will be a good learning experience. I don't, I don't feel like that's going to happen. I would not bet on that. happening. Um, But the the only place that it really happens is over at uh, the Fortnite folks. And that's because Mark Embriaco runs their stuff. Right, because right, he's in it. Though he, he's actually like he's like probably the one that's like, oh man, this build system. I knew it. Was yeah, bad. like I mean, I, he, you know, yeah, maybe, he wouldn't. Maybe, uh, I don't think he'd be deflecting anything. I need to to. I, I guess I need to log into Twitter and see if he said anything or you know, uh, you know, my Mastodon skills have kind of atrophied uh, compared to what I used to do on Twitter, and now I don't really, I don't read Twitter anymore. 
so it's kind of like I'm missing I'm missing that that water cooler conversation. My Mastodon one hasn't sorted out yet, but uh, uh, probably probably once Ivory once I get a hold of that desktop Ivory, that's gonna that's gonna all right. Well, let's, let's check in on it. So like we you're kind of mid. It sounds like you're mid switch. You're still kind of reading Twitter. You do yeah, well, have a Mastodon I, account, but you're yeah. I I, quite I don't the I don't log into Twitter. So like I, yeah. I have a a one of the things I did with Twitter was I had lots of feeds where right. you know you put various uh or lists lists is what they called them and so you put accounts and lists and 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 i had uh you know i had a news one i had you know work ones and um and i had a sports one and you know the sports one is like you know various accounts that i'd follow that you know i don't even need to subscribe to them because you know i'm not talking to you know ut athletics football or something like that you know they, they don't care and i don't care so i just wanted the news and um, and then I had like my main Twitter where I like follow the people I actually cared about. And most of the people I cared about have gone to Mastodon or other stuff, but like the Mastodon UX isn't there to have the same multi, you know, multi-column, you know, view that it had in, in Tweetbot. So holding up for Ivory. It's yeah. So Ivory has everything. gone beta with their Mac OS. Yeah, so I think yes, that's I missed that. Be... There were, were 10,000 seats in it. Like, and you missed you know, it. You're out. I missed it. Yeah. All right, so I think you know we're probably a couple of weeks away because I do think there's going to be another influx when that client is eventually released. I think a lot of people are waiting because I've noticed, like, I like it. I've been on Mastodon, like, trying yeah, to post I, more. I like it. I just it's it's just not like the one thing I missed. There aren't any. I mean, this is probably most of the, uh, the listeners don't care, but like, there's no sports. There really aren't any. Oh sports yeah, there's no there. sports. It's like uh, so that, that's the only like, thing I read on Twitter now is, is sports. Yeah, it's like the only and place people to send get me a link. Yeah, yeah, people send me so, a link I and know. I look and I'm like, hmm. Not I don't, know, trending. I don't yeah. know how it's going to happen. I feel like sports Twitter and Mastodon, like that's going to be a tough, a tough uh, migration, but I, I don't know. I hope it happens. So I do think yeah. the one thing I did see that was kind of interesting from a, a more mainstream adoption was I think somebody posted from the Washington post, not like an actual um, like a uh, uh, reporter, but like, so, like somebody like an IT or something like on um, like, I don't know. I think it was not Reddit, but something like that. They said something along the lines of like the Washington post is considering um, actually, you know, starting their own Mastodon server, right? So well, they that started makes that. A lot of sense, right? I mean, I, yeah, I've it makes seen total sense that. to us, right? New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, yeah. like all the major news publications can start their own Mastodon server. Because you can federate they, them at trusted source. Also, yeah, like that's exactly, immediately verify the identity. You know, it's coming from the people. All of those problems go away. So, like to me, absolutely, one hundred percent, no brainer. I'm sure it will not happen, right? That's that's why I'm like. <laughs> I, I, I think it will. I, I you think, think so? Because I'm just like, because like I keep reading the long articles from these various publications about the death of Twitter and all this other stuff, which is fine. I mean, I'm fine to read that. It's like, it's kind of the same old stuff, but it's like, you could just start a Mastodon server. Everyone could just do it. Like you, like you being, well, but, the you news know, publications could actually yeah. change it, right? They're the ones that like, if they all started posting links to like, their best reporters post links to their best content, like, every, you know, it's going to quickly get traction. And it's just like, it's the same thing with the sports people. It's like, if you're there and, but like, but as soon as, you know, as soon as someone touches it, they'll be like, oh, could never learn Mastodon. And then 5,000 words on, you know, some esoteric topic. And it's like, I think everyone well, that, could learn it. You could get that, there. That, you could do it. That and you can't put ads on Mastodon. And so they're like, you know, what's the point of having our content somewhere where we can't track you know, we can't track consumption and then we can't like decide to put advertising dollars into that feed to bring people back. Is, is the content a good enough 
lure to bring well, people I think, in. I think the media sites, this answers their thing. It's like no one's going to, there won't be any ads on Mastodon, but they weren't making any ads on Twitter, any money there anyway. So it's like, yeah, you're just trying to drive traffic back to your site. Like, you know, produce content, create discussion around the content you have, and hopefully people choose to subscribe in the case of most of those publications. So, But I'm sure I don't they know. feel like it's a step back, right? They're like, but we had this, you know, we had good metrics. We had, That's you true. know, we, then you can't write any more tracking. articles complaining about how Twitter's dying. Then it's like, okay, well, you didn't want it. And it's like, okay, then it's, it's over. So don't like, you know, you know, so you can't have it both ways. It's like either like you want this kind of world and like just start up your Mastodon server and be like, okay, great. Cause there was a nice um, article by uh, one of the founders of uh uh, abroad, I guess, you know, uh, Paul, I can't remember his last name. Anyway, he basically said, you know, this whole thing was uh, the uh, basically, God, here it is. God did the world a favor by destroying Twitter. And I think, you know, his whole point was like, yeah, maybe this is just a bad way for us to communicate as people, which seems to be bearing out. I mean, hard to disagree. <laughs> um, but I was so, but it's like, if you like it, just like, yeah, it's actually available in Mastodon. It's fine. It's not great. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's great, but it's like the fact it's kind of a, it's a feature, not a bug, right? It's like the fact that it is a little bit more chaotic and a little bit more complicated. It actually keeps the conversation, I think, a little bit more streamlined. So, all right. So we'll check in on Mastodon. Next time, when Matt has officially downloaded the new Mac client, he will give us his uh, review, and I'm sure he will want three obscure features in it that will never be added, uh, like Emacs bindings or something like that. <laughs> hey, that's built into everything. Okay, yeah. well, maybe, you know what? Maybe they'll do it. Now, if uh, they're doing a good job over there building the, the new Mastodon client, we've been told many times that you need uh, a good platform. Right. And that's there's been millions of articles this week, just like there's been for uh, several months about platform engineering. Now, I think one of them I stuck in here, your former boss, Adam Jacob, uh, had a a long talk about uh, what if infrastructure as code never existed. So, Matt, I will leave it to you. Can you give us a quick summary of Adam's thoughts here? Oh, well, I mean, at the, the 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 talk is essentially the fact that you know, infrastructure as code, it's a great idea, right? Everything you have in your infrastructure is is derived from this code that you wrote down. Um, but, you know, the reality is there, there's never really, uh, it, it's a bit of a lot. You know, there's never this active feedback loop where, you know, oh, you tell the infrastructure to do something and it did it and then something happened and the code doesn't know anything about that. You know, that it's, it's, not, it's not a loop. You know, there's no, there's no, you know, the code never knows about the state of infrastructure. And so, you know, it, it's a long talk, but it's good where he kind of breaks down all the problems with infrastructure as code, uh, which is like, you know, it's, it's, it's democracy, right? It's the best of the worst choices, right? (laughs) But, um, you know, but, but essentially, you know, you're trying to push, you know, the, the state of the world through, you know, something that's, that's fixed in code and, you know, versioning is great and source control is great and all that stuff is great. But, you know, the reality is you, you don't have, you never know what's actually happening. And so, you know, what they're working at the system initiative is more of a, a model driven view that, um, you know, the state is, is monitored, uh, you know, it's not monitoring, but, it, you know, the state is uh, observed and you know, the way your infrastructure is running is is modeled, and you interact with the model. So uh, at any given time, you know the the model is is correct, um, and, and that's what you know that's what they're working on. Um, 
they didn't right. really this is the whole what like it's decla- is it this is the whole the de- uh, declarative kind of approach right just declare what you want right and then let the system monitor and then keep keep it if you will quote unquote so it matches what you declare and, and that's so what that's, kubernetes tracks right? right that's right that's how kubernetes works um mm-hmm. and, and so uh so is there know, anything the, new i guess that's what i'm saying like is that like is that what they're saying or do they misunderstand it like are they is that what adam's proposing um, again it, it 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 is it is new because uh, uh, <clears throat> um, once you once you move the focus from oh well if we put it in the code it will work to well you know the the world the model of the world is is the source of truth um, and we interact with that you can you know you can still <clears throat> we'll, we'll we'll need you know it's still a closed beta um but uh it will be open source and he, he you know there's some snippets of of what uh, they're doing at the system initiative but essentially it's it's a model driven uh view of the world where you interact with that with you know um you know yes you could still use infrastructure as code but uh you know you need a feedback loop um and there's yeah um it's 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 complicated but i I, I wish them well, and uh, I, I want to try it out. You know, right. really, that's yeah, we'll I signed up see, for right? We're not yeah. going to pass judgment until we actually no, touch definitely it can't pass it, judgment. Right? But you know, everything in the talk rang true, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Now, how do you uh, reconcile this, though? Because the other theme that seems to come out a lot this week was something to the effect, and Cote has been writing about this in his newsletter, uh, which I'm sure he wants you to go subscribe to about you know developer experience, right? Like, I feel like I see this quite a bit, and I think uh, uh, Adrian on Karkov. Karkoff of Netflix fame. I think he had a nice article that's in here on the show notes as well, talking about like, well, this is what it means to build a platform, but it's all about like the developer experience. And I've read so many of these articles and I'm I'm sort of coming to the conclusion is like, well, the problem I see is like, no one has really ever agreed upon like, what is it? What is the quote unquote good developer experience actually mean? It just means (laughs) so many things to so many people that like, that is the problem. Right. And it's like, you know, everyone has their own take on like, I want to bring a certain programming language or maybe it's the, the old leaky ab- abstraction. Some developers kind of want more low level access. Define mm-hmm. that however you want, right? Well, they, other people- Performance or- Yeah, you know. whatever. And other people are like, no, that's, I totally want to be completely abstracted. Like, I don't I even want to know- give you a build pack and I don't want anything. Yeah, I don't even want to know a computer uh, touches this software below it, right? I've just written, uh, you know, almost like the chat GPT level. It's like, I've written business logic and it is your job, Mr. Platform, uh, to go run it. And um, that to me seems like, to be the problem. So it's like every time I read someone's like, well, we need to focus on developer experience. That's kind of my, in my mental mind, when I'm reading articles, I think to myself, it's like, no, someone needs to really define what a good developer experience meets in a specific context. And then from that, at least you have a chance to go pick or build a platform that would match that. But to think that there's a quote unquote universal developer experience, at least right now, seems completely foolish so i don't know yeah. what do you think matt i mean there, there's definitely no <laughs> yeah there's definitely no like universal developer i mean everybody comes in you know different shapes and sizes and the whole point of of having you know the, the recommendation of having like a product manager on on the platform team makes sense because right your customer is you've got two customers right the business and the developers and you know you have to serve both of them at the same time and they 
probably have different desires, right? The business is like, this is, this is our unit of work. This is what we do. You know, we, we make widgets, we sell blah, blah, blah. And you need to optimize the business around that. And then you look at your developers and you say, how do I help you do that better? And if their answer is, you know, I need lower access, I need no access, you know, you're going to sort through that. So there's no, there's definitely not going to be one size fits all because every business is different um, and every organization is different and every org chart is different. And so, you know, how, how you, you solve for that is, uh, you know, the, the, the yin and yang of, of fun enterprise platform development. No, definitely. And I think I want to go back to something you said there. Cause I think it's like, this is always talked about. It's like, well, you need a product manager for the platform. And it's like, okay, like, let me just, okay. So that, that product manager word is playing a big role in that sense because when you kind of start to dig into that, okay, a good product manager of any kind, the first thing they're going to want to do is be like, okay, well, I got to figure out like, who are my customers, right? Exactly. So, and I think this is the part like sort of hidden in that statement. It's like, well, when I go figure out like what platform I'm building, I need to figure out which developers I'm serving and like that. And then I'm going to start to segment that group, right? As we've been talking about a group of people working to build Facebook features and building a platform for Facebook is going to look radically different than a generalized platform that I want to sell to, you know, let's say corporate IT, right? I'm going to make a lot of assumptions about what the people know and the domain I'm supporting if I'm doing a quote unquote internal platform. And I've, for example, uh, taking a language. I think, you know, no surprise here. I think, you know, most of the stuff at Facebook's written in Node, right? Like, I think, I don't think that's breaking yeah. any news. So I'm sure they have a, a real bias towards, you know, Node.js, JavaScript frameworks like that. Now, I think if you took that somewhere else and maybe a tr more traditional enterprise, they'd be like, no, no, I, I build all this stuff in Java and I have all this other logic. So this whole notion that like the product manager is going to fix it, I think what the product manager is going to do is be like, oh, I segmented it and they're going to start to draw constraints, right? And then we run into the old Heroku problem. It's like, Everybody wants Heroku, just not Heroku, right? Because they're like, that, uh, <laughs> that is perfect. That's exactly what I need. But that version doesn't do what I want. Like, I, right. I need a slightly different version. And then there's this assumption that, like, some Nirvana developer experience exists. So, so to me, it's like, I think you have to stop writing. We need to focus on the developer experience. And I think you have to say, we need to go figure out which developers we're trying to serve. And then that organization has to then take on, and this is the part no one wants to do, right? Is you have to then say, okay, I'm going to build or cobble together a platform to serve service this specific development community, but it will be constrained by definition. And if anything shows, like eventually the developers will break out of that platform. They'll eventually, like at, at Facebook, they'll be like, we don't want to use Node anymore. We don't want to use this, this crazy infrastructure. It's too old. And then they're going to go to the next thing, right? And in uh, the cycle... Uh, continue. So I don't know. That's, I guess, my rant on, you know, stop talking about the developer experience as a general thing. If you're going to talk about it, I'm going to require you to define it. I don't know, Matt, what do you think? You, 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 what do you think? You, you should, you've got takes on this. No, I mean, to me, I, I think about like large enterprise banks that I've worked with. And, you know, the whole point of the platform team was to insulate uh, the platform from those developers. Don't let them screw things up because generally they weren't, you know, Sad to say, they weren't the highest skilled uh, developers out there. A lot of them were contractors who, you know, they were uh, buying in bulk and they needed them to, you know, crank out the, the Java. And what the platforms team job was to make sure that the, they couldn't introduce instability. And it wasn't to like help them move faster because, you know, Lord knows the banks were slow. But, <laughs> you know, it was really to keep them secure 
uh, not breaking things, testing, you know, properly. And, you know, that's just where they, uh, uh, that's just how they rolled. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it kind of comes back to, like, you know, some of the more successful platforms that I think we kind of like look down upon, but like visual basic comes to mind, like power yeah. builder, um, like long ago, Fox pro where it's just like, you know, those are, if you think about them, like very narrowly defined development environments that allowed people to create a lot of custom business logic. And then people, you know, kind of universally (laughs) hated those applications because they sort of became too constrained. And I think, and I guess that's the whole thing. I think we just have to think about over and over again. It's like, okay, what is the developer experience that we're trying to get to? What is the platform that's going to do it? But also just to get away from the idea that like, it's ever going to be perfect. And I do think the platform is the thing that, you know, you're talking about the banks. It's like, Unfortunately, the enterprise or the domain has to take responsibility for it. It's never going to be. I just don't think you can ever. It's do not. That. It's I, not going to happen organically. There yeah, has yeah, to I be a like a guided hand, and you can say like, "Oh, yeah, I bought a platform." It's like, no, you didn't buy a platform. You bought the technologies that are going to enable you to design, you know, how you allow code to get to production. Yeah, and maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe this also all the way back to like interviewing and things like that. And I. And I guess, you know, it sort of is usually revealed in an interview, like what you'll be working on, at least the platform. But I think maybe companies being more specific around like, here's what we're doing. Here's the platform we're going to be working on. Here's the technology. It's like almost kind of just showing people like, is this what you're interested in? Because like, you can kind of be more honest and say like, yeah, there's a million other platforms. Some are better, some are worse. But like here you're going to be working on. And it would be some famous examples. It's like, hey, if you're going to the work division. at the government. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you saw, but also too, like, you know, I was talking about the IRS. It's like, hey, you know, if you're going to work with the IRS, you're going to work in COBOL. And these, you know what I mean? This is the yeah. environment and this is how it is. And if you don't want it, like we get it. Um, and there is the point where the platform has to update just to keep people there. But maybe that's the way to think is, is to not for any developer to walk in and be like, I want a better experience. Is to show developers, here's the experience we have. Would you like to come work on this? Can we make some incremental changes? But we're not yeah. probably going to change out everything. We're not going from COBOL to kubernetes anytime soon right like you need to be satisfied with what we have here you can run cobol on kubernetes i've done it <laughs> all right well i like it well speaking of that my question then uh have you uh done any remote apis and when you were doing it did you use uh, graphql because it sounds like that's the the latest hotness that ibm bought they bought an us uh, what's it called here step zen which was started by the same people i think that started apogee Right. Oh, yeah. That um, so this is I feel like we should keep a list of this. Companies, founders that go on to start essentially the same company multiple times. I feel like we would have a list of like a million people that have done this. So that seems to be the best way to make money is to just start a company, sell it, and then start the exact same company with just a slight twist. So congratulations to uh the Apogee people that, that are doing it. But well, espe- yeah, especially because they didn't invent the technology. That's the best part about it. Well, that's, I mean, that's how you, that's really that, that's, that, the, that's the, 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 the ball, true baller yeah. move is just like, yeah. you take somebody else's technology and you're like, oh yeah, well, like I'm going to do this same thing I did now, but I'm going to take it with some new technology. Um, I don't know. I was, when I was back at IBM for a little bit, like we played around with GraphQL, some people were working on it and it seemed fine. seemed good. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I feel like, you know, it's one of these things, like, I guess I just haven't been paying attention, but like, is there like a big need for companies to like manage this? I've thought it was just more like an open source kind of thing you just use. Have you been using this at all? I that's that's my reaction to most of the time when I see like you know software tool acquisitions. I'm like, people paid that much. Um, so yeah, as reference point, we don't have the number for this one, but we know Google paid uh, 625 million for Apogee in 2016. So I mean, I assume they sold it for more, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I sometimes I just don't understand the, the stuff. But you know, I, I could totally see walking into like one of those enterprise banks and they've got, you know, they had Apogee licenses. You know, they they were somebody is paying for that stuff. And uh, you know, congratulations to the Stebs and folks for you know, yeah, I'm I'm assuming that this was, you know, not a, a fire sale, but they uh they were No, it seems know. like it was uh, I I I'm reading it. So they only took eight million dollars in funding, it said. So I guess they had a lot of potential to they didn't necessarily have to make 625 million to still do well, but I don't know. I think it's interesting. I guess it would be interesting on the IBM side too. It's like, it's fine. I mean, I, you know, to your point, like I'm sure there are plenty of large companies that want some type of uh, Apogee kind of um, management for GraphQL. But um, my question is just like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would like really move the needle much at IBM, but uh, you know, I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah no, this, this is going to vault to my head to number, number two. <laughs> yeah, I guess from the stuff we're looking at, it doesn't seem to. So I don't know. I guess we'll just say congratulations to uh, Step and, and I don't. Yeah, is there it fits another really well in the enterprise story? And hopefully, sure. you know, they give it to you know the Red Hat people who open source it completely, and it continues to, you know, push the industry forward as opposed to you know molder in some corner of the enterprise. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now, the other one I wanted to mention briefly was uh, Sumo Logic. Now they're being acquired by. Francisco partners for 1.7 billion. Now this one seems to read more like they weren't growing as fast. They, their stock had um, kind of come down a little bit. And so this seems more like our uh, classic uh, private equity kind of play. Absolutely. Just, um, yep. And now I guess it's being acquired for 1.7 billion, which of course is like, I mean, when you see the number, you're like successful, very successful, but Sumo yeah. Logic, it feels like, I don't know. I feel like at one point it was just a lot hotter. Like, I guess logs, like, I don't know, log files. I mean, I know it is just, I don't, I'm sure some logic does more than this now, but I just feels like there was a point where I just felt like it was going to be huge. It was, it had like a data dog kind of feel to it. It was going to get that big. And then I don't know, it didn't happen, but I don't, well, I can't yeah, tell they, you why. They, they came for Splunk and uh, they got Splunked. <laughs> yeah. I guess what, well, I guess that's maybe true. Like, you know, uh, Splunk, uh, hasn't really done much either right lately so maybe that's what just happened to that entire market sort of kind of like i don't know maybe didn't grow as fast as people had hoped it would uh so i don't know so sumo logic i guess it's like i don't know what do we say here do we say congratulations we, we say, say congratulations nice, we i say mean they put, nice it, they put in the time they put in the effort yeah yeah i mean uh you know probably it's a successful you know business that will continue to uh derive value for their new corporate overlords as opposed right. to the stock market where they're, you know, squeezing the quarterly numbers to make, you know, the stock market happy. It's it's just, you know, different seats on the same buffet. All right. Well, congratulations, Sumo Logic. Enjoy. Enjoy the world of private equity. All right. The other thing that's been in the news I thought we touched on briefly is like, well, uh, Google is basically going under the microscope. And I, I kind of think, you know, I think if nothing else, we are students of business history just because we've worked in this for so long. And it's been really interesting to look at how Google's kind of, you know, always had the reputation being this great technological company, super successful. Everyone wants to work there. Um, but this week, the whole, um, if you will, chat GPT followed by, did you follow the demo there? I guess their attempted demo to roll out their version of Bard. Yes. Yeah. All right. So the quick summary is they, they did it. They rolled it out in France. Um, I guess the demo, like the phone, like the thing just didn't work. The phone didn't work. So they released some screenshots, but then they found some errors in their version of chat GPT and people, I guess are drawing 
uh, a, um, if you will, a line between that and I guess a, a huge loss of um, their um, in their stock market over a hundred billion dollars. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's just, it's just interesting to watch. It's like, cause we've seen this play out so many times, like, you know, when, as long as you have this sort of like unchecked, you know, cash cow, like you can write all the business books you want. They can be like super successful. You can go to all the talks, all your executives can um, talk about all the way they do all the ways they do things and how successful those ways are. But as soon as someone starts to attack the cash cow, it's like suddenly like the whole world looks at the company right. differently. And I just think that's kind of really interesting uh, at Google. And like, I've seen a bunch of stuff, oh, obviously absolutely. they do the layoffs. So people are sad about that. And then um, there's been a, a couple of former employees kind of just writing the thing that we used to write about sun used to run about IBM pick any legacy company they'll say it's like it's gotten too big it's too bureaucratic it's no longer focused on on the customers they need a cultural change like i just feel like we've seen this they, they so crossed many out times. don't be evil yeah don't be evil <laughs> they don't have the mission because you, like, you, you, you know like all the all the ai projects that they were like mm, let's not do that that could be used for evil they're like you know pull them out of storage and they're like maybe if we just you know scratch out you know, evil and say it could be used for malfeasance or, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be okay. And they, you know, they, they reply, you know, they replace it with some wishful thinking and they'll shove it into production. And then we'll have, you know, who knows what's coming out of those AI things. But, uh, uh, you know, funny story, my, my, uh, my daughter's English class, um, 11th grade, uh, they had a whole lecture on hands-on with chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Um, where they actually took like the English class and they had them, you know, enter some, some prompts and pushed, you know, things into it. And at the end of it, you know, the, they were kind of familiar with it. And the teacher finished with, uh, from now on, all creative writing assignments will be done in class. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I mean, and so it's just like, you know, like, you know, you Game now have, it was just like, uh, that, you know, th- th- this is, this is why, you know, it was just like, Oh, isn't this interesting? Isn't this technology fascinating? And that's why from now on, you know, we will do things in person. Yeah, because yeah. So you know, you're gonna this, make we're gonna learn how to do it, right? I, yeah, but I, I'm I showing it, you why you're gonna complain, and this is why we have to do it. This, this is way. why we're gonna do it. So yeah, that's kind of a cool way. But I, I guess it's like I guess I'm just fun. I feel like we're just like it's almost like a new episode of like, can the company um because I think most of like I say Google, Amazon, Facebook, they're all like I guess people are just asking the question, like, are they legacy companies, right? Are they kind of moving, you know, kind of back to the the Amazon, it's always day one, right? And it's like, so it's interesting. It's all, it feels a little bit like getting older. Like no one wants to get older necessarily. Like you don't, you, you, but like, as you get older, you just kind of like, you're like, yeah, that it's starting to happen. It's starting, you know, you you have a certain (laughs) perspective and I just, it's just fascinating me for watch it, kind of watch it in real time. It's like, is this the moment Google, sort of does transition from kind of just like rocket ship star to like, oh, you're just becoming a more enterprise legacy company. Oh, or do nobody they, wants to be called enterprise or yeah, and that, yeah. I think the whole thing too, legacy like, is the dirty word, but yeah, yeah the even, part I always think is interesting. And I think this is really telling about the culture. It's like, you know, ever, from the reporting is they quote unquote declared a, a code red, right? And I guess the meaning there, I mean I guess everyone can read into it what they want. But a code red is sort of like I read as like wow, something unexpected has happened. We now all need to refocus on it because there's just no way we could have saw it coming. 
But like you look at what that has been announced, it is like the thing that they've been working on more than anyone for like a decade. So it's it's weird. It's a code red. They're like surprised the technology that they that they are the T and GP and ChatGPT. Like the stuff that they invented and they probably know about is is like surprising them, right? And I think that's kind of an interesting like thing to figure out. And it it just shows you, I guess, a little bit about. Uh, cultures in in corporate America. It's like, even when you know about it and you can see it coming, even when you've quote unquote invented it, it can still take you by surprise, which I think is like a fascinating like management question. It's like, why are you surprised by this? It would be different if it was something that like a world they had never seen. It's something that never touched upon, but it's their core business. And so I'm just, just as a watcher of Google, right? It's just like, I'm fascinated to see what happens. I mean, it could come out that they're going to make their search even better, but like it is, is probably the first time in 25 years that they feel any pressure on their core business model. So it's going to be fun to watch, Matt. I think it's going to be exciting. All right. Final thing I thought we'd touch on because it came from the software defined talk Slack and I love it. Uh, It's a little work life thing. So someone, I will not call them out. If you want to know who they are, you have to join the Slack. Uh, But they said that it was related to meetings. I thought this was I think they met it kind of in jest, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. And then it was about work from home. And it says, uh, work from home totally changed my view of meetings because now I can, uh, quote, attend meetings I know are pointless, but continue to actually uh, be productive uh, in meetings these days. It only matters because I know when I can turn off the camera, tune out, and either do work or chores. And I was like, this to me, like, had, like, some deeper meaning to me. Oh, I was so like. True. Cause it's true. And I was thinking about like, how do we like um, take this statement and we make it like, we just like clean it up a little bit. And I, I would say what he's kind of hitting on is like, there's meetings where there's a person that's the focus. Like an example I would give here is like the president of the United States, every meeting the president is in is designed for the president to get information, make a decision and ask questions. Yeah. Many of the people in that meeting are just ancillary and they only are going to speak if there's something specific they can offer the president uh, in that decision-making process, right? But other than that, they're just listening. There's nothing for them to do. They're just active listening. And I think there's like a focus in all companies like this. It's like, so we can first think to ourselves, well, none of these meetings should exist. If there's only one person in the meeting and they're the focus and there's 30 people on the call, that meeting shouldn't exist. I think we have to just, just say to ourselves, that's not the way the world works. There just are many meetings in corporate America that are like this. I think a good one would be like a trade show meeting. Like you're finalizing the trade show. Everybody has to get on there. You're going through the checklist. Like Matt, is your demo ready? And you have to say, yes, it is. Or you say, why it isn't? And they're, they're giving information and we just all have to be there. That's one of yep. many examples. There's a launch meeting. There's millions of these meetings and I wish they didn't exist, but they're going to exist. But I think what this person is hitting on is like, this is an incredible productivity benefit for everyone because you can just listen in for the one or two things you have to either know or say, and you can continue to do other things. So I feel like this is kind of back to like, we always have this like, is remote work really good or is it really bad? But this is a place where it clearly wins. The 30 plus person status meeting where you're not the focus, where somebody else is the focus, right? And like, you don't really have anything that you have to do, but you do have to be on there. And it's not, and you can't, cannot attend, right? That's not, you know, just being absent is not there. So I want to like, I want to like almost like put this in, this is a win for remote work. Remote work so clearly dominates this kind of meeting that, and I think this is where I think a lot of times executives because they are often the focus of their meetings, they don't realize like, yeah, everyone else in the meeting for an hour that only have to speak for 10 seconds 
would like to be doing something else. So kudos to the person that wrote this message in Slack. And I I don't know, I don't know what we can do with it, but I want it to become like, I want it to at least go on the list of like, here's things that are are much better than remote work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a positive. Exactly. It's a positive. I mean, this this is up there with that, you know, when you go to conferences, watching the keynotes from your hotel room. <laughs> it's the same logic, right? You know, it's like, I'm here for the content, but you don't need my active, uh, you know, I don't have to be here, here, right? It, it totally is. I think you're right. It's it, it's a, it's just like one version from that. Like, you're sort of like, you're kind of like getting the broadcast meaning. There's the broadcast meaning where you're like, absolutely, you won't even be asked to talk because there's like 10,000 people on and you're just trying to get information in real time. So that one, I think for sure, that's the hotel room. But this one, I think it's like sort of touches on, you know, the whole like, should you be in the office or should you not? Like if you're the focus of the meeting and you want to be able to ask anyone a question and you want them to explain anything to you, I can see why you want everyone in the room. But that's a lot of people in the room. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A lot of people that could be doing other stuff. And if you're just on the call, like if that's the part that really rang true to me was like, and you can turn off the camera. It's like, that's what you want. Like, I just want to turn off the camera. I want to do my work, answer my emails, take care of other stuff. And then the one time someone says, uh, Hey Matt, can you give me an update? You just chime in two seconds, you're done. And you got like a whole hour of your life back to do other stuff. And even the, the funny part too, even if you are just doing chores, it's like, fine, walk around your house, do the laundry. I don't know. Just be on your call. Just wait. So I love it. I want it. So that's a win for remote work. I'm sure there'll be many reasons people will not like it, but I loved it. So good job uh, uh, from that person in the Software Defined Talk Slack. And if you want to join the Slack, you should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. There you can sign up for the Slack. You can join. You can make great comments like that, or you can uh, participate in a lot of nonsense conversations, which Matt and I are in as well. So check all of that stuff out. All right. Um, Final thing here, I just wanted one other piece of listener feedback was from uh, Chris A., a friend of the show. We had a big uh, outage here. So he, uh, I I put it, I asked around like, hey, what are people doing now that we had this like large energy outage? Any lessons learned, if you will? Uh, This is not a blameless postmortem. We're all uh, blaming the city of Austin. But he has put together a awesome uh, spreadsheet comparing solar systems. So if you want to get solar power, I was like, wow. This spreadsheet is fantastic. So I, I was really excited to see that. So Matt, you probably don't care because you have a good energy grid in Australia and you're not worried about it. No, but over here, no, we're like I one ranch. step away yeah. from going off grid. Oh yeah. I, I feel bad for uh, the renters of my house in Austin, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's out of my hands. That's right. Uh, and then on the conference side, I uh, wanted to let everyone know that both Matt and Cote will be at the Southern California Linux Expo. That's March yeah. 9th and 12th. You're gonna. You have something extraordinary planned, right, Matt? Like, is Rihanna gonna be performing there? Like, what? What is your? Uh, what uh, I think. I think. Have? I think she, she'll probably be. Uh, uh, you know, getting a little bed rest before the the pregnancy, uh, <laughs> because of the pregnancy. So she probably won't be attending the uh, the open cost booth. But uh, I will be working uh, a booth for our, our CNCF sandbox project, and I've got a talk. So uh, you know, definitely looking forward to. And we're hoping to do something in person. Kotan, uh, I'll be there. So. All right, fantastic. There's also uh, Pi Texas, which I think is like the Python user group community. So that's going to be April 1st and 2nd. So you should uh, sign up that if you're into Python. Seems like a good time to learn Python with all this AI going around. Seems like a, a, a nice time to do it. Also, you've got DevOps Days Birmingham. Of course, that's Alabama. That's April 20th and 21st. And then you've got uh, DevOps Days Austin, which is going to be May 4th and 5th. And then we've also got, what do we have coming up? KubeCon EU in Amsterdam. I think that's on uh, April 20th as well. 
Uh, I think Matt, uh, you're going to be there, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, I expect Coach will be there since it's in his hometown of Amsterdam. 50-50. It's probably five miles from his house, so we'll say 50-50. We'll, we'll let yeah. him report in next week if he's going to be uh, in yeah. So, So I anything – are you what do you got going there you got like a booth what what are you gonna uh do? i'm gonna have uh i'll be working the open cost kiosk and uh i i believe coop cost will have a booth and uh hopefully kotana will be there uh as uh, media attendees as well so we'll see how that works out all right looking forward to it all right matt well having said all of that uh what's your recommendation this week well uh if you caught the pre-show uh or uh you know if you've been hanging out in our slack you know uh my my uh Audio Technica headphones finally gave up the ghost. They were almost ten years old. Uh, I was hoping for, uh, ho- hoping they'd make it, but uh, uh, they just collapsed under the weight of of age. Uh, I had replaced the head strap, the earbud, the earplugs, the cable, but just too much structural failure. And so, uh, rather than buy the same thing again, which would have been just fine probably, um, I went ahead and. Uh, asked the, the Slack, uh, what should I get? And the recommendation that I went with was the Sennheiser Pro Audio HD 25s. And uh, I got the special edition because I like I like the the uh, velour instead of the, the pleather. <laughs> and, uh, and then I've already got uh, an aftermarket upgrade of uh, bigger ear pads. So um, uh, the audio quality is great. Uh, still sorting out the fit, but they are very customizable and uh, big big aftermarket, which I'm keen on. So uh, that's what, uh, that's my recommendation for the week. All right. And I like that it has a cooling gel ear, ear pads. Absolutely. Those are your, oh, those are your yeah. upgrade. So uh, you can't, upgrade. for those who can't see it, Matt's, I can tell he's in like a very cool, relaxed place with uh, the earphones on his ear. So it's good. So, well, good. All right, Matt. Well, I'll, I'll check those out next time uh, my earphones finally give out. Uh, my recommendation, I don't know. I think probably everyone's watching this if you want, but it's The Last of Us on HBO. Are you watching us, Matt? Or, are you? I, I, I'm waiting to see if they uh, cancel it after the season. Okay. Well, there's uh, five episodes. I was I never played the game, didn't know anything about it, but like I really like the show. I think this is going to turn out to be one of the better, um, I guess we call it video game crossovers, right? Into I think they've done a really good job with the story. And I, from what I've read, people that play the game says it's pretty true to the game. And there's also like lots of guests of Easter eggs and references to the game in the actual, in this case, television series. So five episodes in, I think it's been really good. I was a little skeptical. Every time I see, anytime I see a video game that's been adapted to anything, I'm always like, uh Oh, this is going to be some kind of weird Laura Croft, you know, kind of just bad movie, but this one has been really good. So I, I would definitely uh, check out Last of Us. I think five episodes in, it feels pretty safe. It feels like you're okay. in a, a good place to watch it. So check that uh, out. I'll, I'll wait and see how it ends before. I, I, I've been bitten too many times. It's true. It's true. We, you know, there's always Lost. We all, we all remember that. <gasps> but, you know. Oh, that, that. Anyway, you know, I won't go on our, a long rant about that today. So, all right. With that, if you would like to see uh, all the topics we talked about and some we didn't, you should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 401 there you'll see uh, the show notes for everything and all the links you can also uh, sign up and subscribe to our newsletter you can follow us on social media uh, and you can join the slack so we look forward to communicating uh, with you one of those ways and with that we'll talk to you next time bye-bye i have no idea what a wegmans is Oh, that's that's like uh, like the Philly. Right? That's like okay. East Coast. That's kind of their H E B. But they, mm-hmm. uh, but it's um, people really like Wegmans. 
<laughs> yeah, if I can't order it off Alibaba and it come to me with no instructions that I can read, then I don't want it. Opening up the show notes here. I have looked at them already. I just haven't looked at them right now. <laughs>